Welcome back, baseball fans, to another installment of On Deck, presented by Deep Dive Sports. We're in season two, and this is episode number two. So we're going to do a little kind of a rehash of last week's episode. We're going to talk a little bit about age signings, who signed with who, if that affects anything moving forward. We're going to talk about some spring training updates, who looks hot, who looks not. Uh, standing so far then we're gonna go into the early predictions for this coming season obviously with some free agent signings that's changed our opinions a little bit especially for me in the al east Uh, then we're going to move on to ncaa baseball update for the division one and then we'll finish it off with our always one fact about baseball something that you guys didn't know or maybe you did and uh, we are just uh, sharing it with you once again I'm joined today, as always, by Dominic. What's going on, Dominic? Nothing much. How's it going? Good, good, good. So we had a plethora of free agents that signed over the last two weeks. I'm going to kind of go down the list real quick, but we've got Carlos Correa signing with the Twins. That was a little bit of a shocker. Also, another shocker, Chris Bryant going to the Rockies. Freddie Freeman was the one guy that I I got right in any of that the picking over the teams that they might go. I kind of saw that the writing on the wall with him going to the Dodgers. Trevor story went to the Red Sox. Nick Castellanos went to the Phillies. Sehu Suzuki went to the Cubs. Kershaw re-signed with the Dodgers. Kenley Jansen, which is also another surprise for me, went to the Braves. Rizzo re-signed with the Yankees. And then uh, the only one that has not yet to sign is Michael Conforto. So, Dominic, what was your take on some of these last couple signings over the last couple weeks? Well, it's a good thing that we're not paid to make any predictions uh, based on where free agent signings are going to go. That's true. (laughs) Um, Yeah, good call on your part with the Freddie Freeman signing. Um, I'm not really surprised with a lot of these signings. I think they were good moves um, by the teams that made them. I think all these teams vastly improve their roster and i'm excited to to see how things play out definitely definitely there's a lot of a lot of fresh faces on some teams and, and i think it's going to be exciting for baseball a lot of a lot of players moving around um the one that really surprised me it's right off the get was carlos correa uh mm-hmm. all-star shortstop um was part of the houston astros now tainted 2017 world series title but he went to the Twins. Um, it's a three-year, $105.3 million contract. Really not a lot of people saw that coming. Uh, I watched an uh, an interview with him, and he said that uh, the, the culture that the management and the general manager was kind of protruding during the interview and during kind of that, that meeting um, was kind of a winning culture. And, you know, he, he firmly believes that um, the Twins have what it takes in the next couple of years to be a winning franchise. And so that's where he decided to go. Who's somebody that you were looking at? That was probably one of my, I guess, most unexpected signings. Cause it's not really a move that I would expect the twins to make. And I, I like that. It shows that there are some smaller market teams that can go and make big signings like this. But I think I was most surprised by now this was pre-lockout, but I was most surprised by Javier Baez going from the Mets to Detroit. I think that's a great move. That's Detroit is a good young team 
that's up and coming and making a move like this just adds a veteran presence to that locker room. And I mean, he's one of the better players in all of baseball. So you add a bat like that to a young and up and coming lineup. I think they're going to be a team that in the next couple of years is a team that's really going to start growing and becoming a playoff contender. Yeah, and it seems like the the Tigers definitely have a a cyclical type of uh, they get really good for a while and then they kind of take a break from it for a little bit. But speaking of the Tigers, um, one of my you know signings that uh, happened pre lockout as well was with Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, former Red Sox, signed with the Tigers mm-hmm. on a five year deal worth seventy seven million. Just adding to that that pitching roster, he is he was an amazing pitcher, still is an amazing pitcher. And uh, definitely strengthens their rotation to to a big degree. Absolutely, that's that's definitely a solid move because they have a good young pitching staff. And again, adding another veteran presence to that team that is proven. Like he obviously he's not you know a Cy Young caliber pitcher, but he's a good starter, and I, he's going to help solidify that rotation. Completely, completely. So who else you got? Um, I got another pre-lockout move, but Corey Seager going from the Dodgers to the Rangers really surprised me. I, the The Rangers are a team that obviously we know that they have money, but I didn't really see them as a team that was just like one big piece away from contending. But obviously they made a couple pretty big moves during the offseason with Corey Seager being the biggest. They had 10 years, $325 million. That's huge. That's a... I think that's a franchise changing move. And I think they're a team that is saying to their fan base, Hey, we're going to try to win. We're going to try to be competitive this year and we're going to try to build for the future and win and can be for another championship in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Then the 10 years, three twenty-five was just, I remember that came across the screen and I had to kind of do a double take. Is like, does that really what they're offering him? You know, obviously, Obviously, the Dodgers couldn't couldn't afford that that type of commitment, and the Dodgers are kind of in a win now, you know, mentality because they've got all the pieces in place for it. Um, you know, we're obviously going to talk about that a little bit in the future, but you know, speaking of that, adding Freddie Freeman, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, the the six year, one hundred and sixty two million dollar contract uh, to to the Dodgers, you know, to solidify that that position at first base. Uh, like I said, I, I saw it kind of because we've talked about it before. He came from California. His family's in California. You know, he grew up there. So he he considers that his home. So it wasn't a complete shock to me. I definitely think now that the Dodgers have Freeman, it, it's it, it's lights out. Just adding that bat alone. Like, yep. I, 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 I can't wait to watch some of those games just to see some of those balls fly off the bats. It's just it's, it's going to be a. a entertaining game to watch with that lineup oh absolutely Uh, i think the next signing for me that was really surprising was trevor story going to the red sox mostly like i i knew that they had the money to you know obviously go sign him but i I always see him as a shortstop and the red sox having xander bogarts i'm like well they they really don't need trevor story but they went and got him he's probably going to move over to second base but just adding that bat to that lineup in that ballpark, I think that's huge. I would not be surprised at all if Trevor Story has a career year. Now, he, could, he's just going to be hitting dingers all day over that monster. I, I completely agree. And and the fact that they I mean, so they had to have had that conversation with them when they signed him, or the, the 
you know, if you sign here, you're going to be moved to second because we've got an all-star shortstop in Xander Bogarts and he's not going anywhere. And, yep. you know, and I, some of the discussion I heard is that, you know, Xander's got a couple more years left on, but, you know, the, the trade potential for with him and or, you know, once he does become a free agent, you know, the, look at the the Carlos Correa signing just showed mm-hmm. that, that, you know, Xander has the potential to sign a major long-term contract and with some big money. I mean, obviously, hopefully with the Red Sox, but th- th- he's marketable in, in other other areas. Absolutely. Last on my list, and this is pre-lockout, and uh, this guy just signed the the biggest contract for a player that, that I've seen in a long time, if not ever, and that's Max Scherzer to the Mets mm-hmm. for a three-year, $130 million contract. That is I, – I, I can't wait at the end of the season to do the math and figure out how many – how much money he made per pitch. Oh God. Like <laughs> I, I just, I can't wait to do that math to be like, okay, like the, the, he threw that ball. And every time he threw that ball, he, you know, he made, I don't know, let's say $7,000 every time he threw that ball. Like that's just, that's interesting. Yeah. I think my last expect or unexpected signing was Jorge Soler going to the Miami Marlins. I mean, obviously, Soler is not the biggest name in the league, but he's one of the better outfielders in all of baseball. He's one of the best pure hitters. I think that's a huge move for the Marlins. They get a solid bat to really help solidify that offense, which is what what the, the Marlins really need. They have a good young pitching staff, but they have absolutely no offense. And adding Jorge Soler gives the Marlins exactly what they need is a guy that they can really build that lineup around. And I think that's a good move for them going forward. And he he's not that expensive. It's three years, $36 million. Yeah, and we talked about that last episode about how the Marlins were in the market for a, a big name. And then that just happened to be, you know, who, who they signed. Obviously showed in the World Series that he, he could play under all the pressure in the big games. And he delivered. And you, you can't ask for anything more. Yeah, absolutely. So moving forward, we've got a little bit of kind of the moves that still need to happen. So some of these players are signed and maybe just need to be extended, but there's a, there's about nine or so uh, things that need to happen. Big moves that that need to be made. I think the first one uh, on my list is that Yankees need to re-sign Brett Gardner. He's the only hold off from that 2009 world series. They, they Mm -hmm. have room for him in that, uh, you know, rotation um, to be a fourth outfielder. Uh, and he's not coming a lot at a lot of money. So, you know, let him, you know, get that, that extension with them um, and resign. And I think that that should be, that should be an easy pick for them, you know, without question. He's always delivered for them. Absolutely. I think next uh, to add to the twins rotation, obviously we've talked about how, you know, with them getting Carlos Correa, they're kind of in a win now um, type of situation. So, you know, they, with they've spending the money on Correa, they need to bring in some people that can help. And I think one thing they need to do is sign Johnny Cueto. Mm-hmm. I think that he would uh, add to that rotation. And I, I just really believe that, that that's, that'd be a solid move. Next on my list is the Rangers need to sign Julio Theron. What do you think about that? I, I like it. He's a good veteran pitcher that isn't going to hurt your team. He's really only going to be a benefit. I think I think that'd be a smart move for him. It it's not going to be you know a big move that's going to make headlines, but it's one of those moves that 
it's a quiet move that really helps solidify your team and can really help for a playoff push. Cause I, I think the, the Rangers are going to be fighting for a wild card spot this year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Next to my list, this is, I really want to get your opinion on this. Cause this, this could go really good or really bad. And I, I don't want them to spend the money and then have it go bad and have to have to cut him. But I think the Cardinals should sign Albert Pujols and let him have his victory oh, lap in the Cardinals uniform. And, and, you know, hopefully, you know, in that DH role, he can, he can deliver and, and, and still, because obviously we saw him with the angels. You saw him with the Dodgers that he still has the ability to hit. And I just think that that would be a, a really kind of, you know, one of those storybook things that I, I love to see. I love, I love that type of stuff. So what do you think? Yeah. Well, now that the universal DH is a thing, I, I, do think that that move becomes a little bit more viable. You can just stick him in the DH role, you know, probably not every day, but you know, every couple of days or so. And yeah, just let him play out his last year, really where he belongs in St. Louis. I, th- I think that'd be a good move. If the universal DH wasn't a thing, I would, I could probably see him going to the American league because I mean, he's not a first baseman anymore. The only viable place for him to really play is DH. So now that the DH is in the National League, I think that's that's a good move. Cool. All right, moving on. Uh, I got the Twins need to acquire Frankie Montas. Uh, I think that that would be a solid addition to their team. And, uh, you know, obviously we, we've talked about that, you know, the Twins are kind of in a win-now situation. And so mm-hmm. adding, adding him would just be a, a smart move. I agree. And it kind of, I don't know, the signing Correa is definitely a win-now move. But you look at the moves that they made at the trade deadline last year and trading away Jose Barrios, who's one of the better young pitchers in the game, kind of hurts them this year if they're trying to win now. So getting someone like Montas would obviously really help amplify that rotation. What about the Phillies acquiring Sean Manea? What do you think about that? That, again, would be a good move because pitching for the Phillies has been bad for so long. I mean, it, it seems like ever since their their final playoff push with Roy Holiday, Cliff Lee, and and those guys, they haven't really had a, a solid pitching staff. And I think signing him would be a good move in the right direction because you can have all the offense you want, but just having offense and not having any pitching is not going to get you into the playoffs. It'll get you where they have been between 77 to 81 wins and you'll just be stuck in mediocrity. So getting a solid pitcher is ev- everything that this team needs. Yeah, I completely agree. Next is, is this isn't more of a this is more of a I know this is going to happen. It's just a matter of of when it could happen and uh, the fact that I think he's looking for a long term deal. You know, he's looking to ink that that ten plus year season type of, of contract. And uh, maybe the Yankees are kind of wavering at the, around the six to seven year window. Um, but I think that the Yankees definitely need to extend Aaron judge, keep him in pinstripes the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, do whatever it takes, whatever he wants, just give it to him. You got the money. I mean, the Yankees can pretty much print money at this point. So it's <laughs> not really uh, an issue with them, but you don't let one of the best, all around players in the game, just walk away and no no team is going to be able to trade for him because no team is going to be able to give you in return what you'd be losing. So just sign them. I'd like, 
build him a mansion, guarantee him whatever he wants, just get it done. I mean, at this point, I think there's Steinbrenners on, on some of their hundreds anyways. So, Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next on my list is the only still kind of big name free agent out there, and that's Michael Conforto. And I think a perfect, perfect, perfect landing spot for him would be the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I, the the Blue Jays are interesting. I think they're a team that is ready to make that push, but I don't think offense is what they need. I mean, their their lineup's already pretty stacked. I think they need to help build that rotation out around Jose Barrios. I think a perfect landing spot for Conforto, and th- probably not going to happen because you know the Guardians owners don't spend any money, but I think a perfect landing spot for him would be in Cleveland. He would be an everyday starter. He'd be probably one of the better bats in the lineup. I think he'd pair well in that lineup with Fran Mel Reyes. I, I think that would be a good move. It'd be the perfect corner outfield that this team needs, but the Dolans don't spend more than 20 bucks on a player. So I, I don't see that move happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that I saw that they're they're the bottom three in in salary uh, distribution this year at, at like thirty point four million dollars is their total payroll. Yep, and, and they spent that, like thirty like three hundred thousand dollars this offseason to re-sign yeah. one of their um, bullpen guys. But that that that's a tangent for another episode. <laughs> Completely, <laughs> I think we have a lot of tangents for a lot of other episodes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's that's why this is fun. That's why we do this, guys. You know, it's, it's, we talk about baseball and we go on tangents. And maybe sometimes you guys like to listen to it. Maybe you don't. But uh, you know, that's, we're the ones uh, talking. So, <laughs> all right, moving on. I'm gonna get a little rundown of some of the spring training leagues. We got the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League. I'm kind of gonna go over a little bit of the win loss ratios going on. I'm gonna start with the Cactus League, and we're gonna a little bit talk about you know who we think's hot, who we think's not who should be scared and who should be not. So Cactus League, we got the Kansas City Royals sitting at 5-1, and one, Texas Rangers sitting at 5-2, and two, Cincinnati Reds at 5-3, and three, Guardians and Angels also 5-3. and three. We've got the Colorado Rockies at 5-4, and four, the Chicago White Sox 5-5, five and five, the Chicago Cubs at 4-4, four and four, Mariners 3-3, three and three, the Brewers three and four, Arizona Diamondbacks three and five, and the Padres sitting at the end of that league at a two and four record. So, what are some of your surprises in this little cactus league so far? Honestly, the it, you know I, I kind of just talked trash on the Guardians in the last segment, but they've surprised me a little bit with how well they've played so far this spring. I know it's spring training and you got to take, you know, some of these performances with a grain of salt, but they're playing a little bit better than I thought they would. And we're seeing some performances from prospects that we've been waiting for, for a while now. And the one guy in particular is uh, Ernie Clement, the uh, second base prospect. He played a little bit in the major leagues last year, but this spring training, he's batting over 500 with seven RBIs and 14 at bats. I, I don't know if he could keep this up, but it's it's a good sight to see because, you know, the, the Guardians have a good pitching staff, but the only way that they're going to really succeed this year is if a lot of these young prospects that they're really hoping develops into something actually develops into something. And seeing someone like er- Ernie Clement really 
start to show out this spring training is a good sign. I definitely agree. Moving forward, I think that they definitely stick to that script and you'll see some good things happen. Um, my takeaway from from the this Cactus League is the uh, San Diego Padres being at the bottom of the list. I just really was surprised me with with the talent and we we've discussed, you know, obviously with what we thought and predictions and, and what they've done over the last couple of years that um, I just, I, I expected a little bit more out of that lineup and to be in a, a two and four record. That was as of yesterday, I believe. What do you think? Yeah. Well, losing uh, Tatis for a while definitely is going to hurt them, but it just goes to show that you can't just throw money on a lineup and expect to automatically win a championship. You can have all the offensive talent you want, but again, if you don't have good pitching, you're not going to win anything. And really besides you, Darvish, there's a lot of question marks on this pitching rotation. We'll finally get to see what uh, Mike Clevenger would be like after Tommy John surgery that sidelined him for the whole season last year. But I don't know this rotation has a lot of question marks that I'm kind of hesitant about. Now, if, if Clevenger can come back and be the player that he was with Cleveland, then they got a steal. He is probably going to be their ace, but I don't know. Moving on to the Grapefruit League, we see the Atlanta Braves at five and one. The Mariners are surprising five and two. We've got the Cardinals at five and two as well. Red Sox sitting at seven and three. The Blue Jays five and three. Tigers four three. Followed by the Mets, the Phillies, and the Pirates four and three. Orioles four and four. Houston Astros three and four the twins is three and seven the yankees a surprising two and six the rays at a one and six and the nationals at a one and seven so what is your takeaway from the grapefruit league and who's hot who's not what what do you got i'm surprised by how bad the yankees and really the the top teams that we were expecting to come out of the american league east have been playing i if you would have told me that the yankees and Red Sox and and Rays would have been at the bottom of the Grapefruit League, two and six, one and seven, whatever they are. I would have said, okay, who, what star got hurt because they should not be that bad. But again, it's it's spring training. They none of these guys really had an off season program because the lockout. So I, I think they'll be fine going forward once the regular season really gets underway. But I've kind of been impressed with the Pirates. You know, they're a team in a similar position as the Guardians. They don't spend any money. They're really dependent on acquiring a lot of young prospects and then hoping those young prospects really develop into something. But I think they have a couple good pieces in Brian Reynolds and Cabrian Hayes that are going to really solidify that lineup going forward. And they have they've had a lot of big trades where they've gotten some good prospects and I'm excited to see how they play out. I definitely did not expect them to be over 500 at any point in spring training or the regular season. So the fact that they're above 500 this far into spring training is it, it's a good sign for this team going forward. Definitely. Definitely. My biggest uh, shock is actually with the Red Sox and uh, their first baseman, Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, I know we talked about this last season that, that, that the Red Sox, I, you know, I complained on it. I, I thought that they needed to sign, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different people to to fill that that first base role because I just didn't think that Dahlbeck was was the guy that that was going to be able to fit into that lineup of bats with you know 
JD Martinez and now Trevor Story and Xander Bogarts. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just didn't see that being him being a viable um, long term solution, and maybe still he isn't. But uh, you know he's he's batting just a remarkable uh, batting average right now. I think hitting definitely over 400. He's got a couple. I think he hit two home runs in one game, and he's I think he's got four total home runs uh, total so far in spring training. So just you know uh, lights out with this kid and and maybe maybe he listened to the podcast and said you know i'm going to show them that i can actually be part of this lineup and and i'm going to hit some some dingers and uh show that people that i can show up <laughs> my biggest kind of takeaway and i kind of you, you talked about this too was was the rays and the the yankees being kind of bottom of the list Obviously, I think that that with spring training, you bring a lot of your your prospects in, and you try to see what they can do, and if they're going to add anything, you know, up on a big league level, um, this is the time to do it. Uh, but again, a little bit surprisingly, that that you know, even some of their star player, players are struggling with uh, this as much as they are. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to our next segment. We talked about it a little bit last week, and we're going to talk about it again. It is our way too early predictions for the 2022 season playoffs and the World Series with all these free agent signings. Dom, do you think anything's changed in your selections? And with spring training going the way it has, what do you think changed, or is there any change at all? Or do you think that everything is going to stay the same? I think it's for the most part, I think it's going to stay the same. I think Trevor Story signing with the Red Sox is going to make the the race for the American League East a little bit more interesting. But at the end of the day, I still think the Yankees and the Dodgers are the best teams in baseball, and I still think that they'll figure it out. I know the Yankees have been struggling so far this spring training, but there's too much talent on that team to not be one of the best teams in baseball. So I, I still think that they'll make it and win the World Series. Okay. All right. That's the bold statement. Sticking with what you, what you know. I definitely believe, uh, agree with you on that. That I think the Red Sox adding Trevor Story is going to add uh, to that, and I think that kind of make bumps them maybe up to the number two spot, and the Yankees still uh, sitting at number one. I think with the AL Central, I think it's pretty much stayed the same. White Sox ahead of the Tigers for that rotation, but the AL West is what really struck to me with with Correa going out. I just don't see them. That's a huge, huge bat that you've lost. And mm-hmm. I just don't see them sticking in into that, that first place spot and possibly the, the athletics or the Rangers even, you know, coming from behind and, and possibly solidifying their spot. But uh, I definitely believe that the Dodgers are going to go all the way in the national league. And I, I believe the Dodgers now with the addition of Freddie Freeman just are going to be too much. Their pitching is too much. Their batting yeah. is too much. That that I see the Dodgers over the Yankees, but I'm gonna I'm kind of stick with that same script. Obviously, this is gonna change a lot when we go on throughout the year. Um, differently, just depending on on you know how these players are gonna be. So we will see. Moving on to our last segment is the NCAA Division One men's baseball. This week, Ole Miss is at number one with a 15 and four record they moved up since they were number two and they switched places with texas who's now number two with a 17 and five record we've got arkansas staying strong at number three with a 16 and three record and vanderbilt also staying strong with air uh, at fourth place 
with a 17-2 record. Tennessee is a team that moved up to number five. They were 10 last week, and they have a 19-1 record. Then you've got Oregon State at number six. They were seven last week. They've got a 14-4 record. You've got Florida State moving in the number seven spot. They were number eight last week, and they are 13-6. Sitting at number eight, you've got a Florida at 15-5. You've got Oklahoma State. They were sixth last week, and they dropped all the way down to ninth at the 14-6 and record. And then you've got Virginia coming into the mix at number 10 with a 19-1 and record. Again, this season's got a couple more months to go before we get the College World Series in June. But we're going to keep track of that because, obviously, if you're not paying attention to college baseball, that's where a lot of these stars come out of. And, and you know, it's not everybody signs to the um, – minor league careers some of them do go to college so definitely pay attention to a few of these guys coming up this year absolutely and to close out the show we do our little one fact about baseball that maybe you did or did not know and so dom i'm going to start with you on this one all right well so going into my finance background i'm always interested about player salaries and and stuff like that so looking at babe ruth arguably the greatest player of all time, you would think that his top salary that he made in his career adjusted for inflation would be, you know, something out of this world, right? Well, his top salary in 1917 was $236,860. And in adjusted for inflation, that's 1.4 mil. That <laughs> just, just think about that. In modern baseball, 1.4 mil is, you know, marginally above the, you know, the, the league minimum. Yeah. And, you know, you have guys making 35, $40 million and that's, you know, 30, 30 times more than what Babe Ruth would have made at, at the peak of his, of his earning potential. I, I, I saw that and I'm like, wow, that's absolutely insane. Just the, the salary growth is just grown exponentially. No, for baseball over the last decades yeah even since the you know really the 70s and 80s it wasn't until the the to mid to late 90s where we saw contracts going into multi-millions um and then obviously mm-hmm. you know with now with Scherzer and, and 130 for three years that just that's just unimaginable that that a player is getting paid that much when when guys used to be able to after like they'd have to have jobs in the off season just to be able to support their families. Yep. Yep. So my little fact that I looked up, I thought this was really interesting that hitting four home runs in a single game is considered one of the greatest accomplishments a player can have, but only 18 players have ever accomplished this record in baseball history. The first to do so was Bobby Lowe in 1894 while the most recent was J.D. Martinez in 2017. More interesting is that of all these players have only been able to do this once in their careers. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, there isn't a single player in Major League history to hit more than four home runs in a single game. Yeah. It, I mean, you, you, you talk about just single-game achievements. I think that is one of the best. It's so rare. I mean – you know, people glor- you know, glorify hitting for the cycle, and you know that's a great achievement. But 
hitting four home runs in one game is a lot harder to do, I think, than hitting for the cycle. Yeah, you you have to be locked in immensely, you know, especially towards the, the later parts of the game where you're you've played, especially if you're on the field and and you you fatigued and it's just you're tired and the day's gone on but to be that locked in and to be able to hit four home runs that's just yeah that's amazing to me speaking about that i saw was it last week or a couple weeks ago i was scrolling through social media and there was a video of um this college softball player she hit four home runs in one game but she hit for a home run cycle so she hit a solo home run, a two-run home run, a three-run home run, and a grand slam in one game. Wow! Like <laughs> talk about I, rare. I think that she must she must be the first player ever to to do that at, at any level. Oh, uh, we need to look her up and find out what, I, yeah, what her I, name was because that's I've, that's got to be history right there. Yeah, I I forgot her name. I forgot what school she played for. I, I just remember seeing that feat. I'm like, that's. That's absolutely insane. We we will look that up, guys. If we will <laughs> let you know what her name is, she needs to be celebrated because that that like yeah, you said, hit for the cycle is one thing, but hit for the home run cycle, like no. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't even know that, that existed. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of some other little things, I, I found this on social media as well. It's a little the Shohei Otani rule. MLB and the MLB Players Association have agreed to the Shohei Otani rule where if a starting pitcher are hitting in the lineup, they can remain as DH even if they are replaced on the mound. That's huge. That's That might that move alone might save the Angels' season. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and I, we've talked about this before, and, and you know, I, I just think that if, if you can be a player and that your impact changes the, 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 the scope of the game – just your ability or, you know, um, whether whether it be an injury or what have you, but to, to, to have your abilities change the scope of how the game is played and to affect it that much is just is just phenomenal. Uh, obviously, he's a phenomenal player. We, we've talked about him immensely before. That, that just blows my mind. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that does it for this edition of On Deck presented by Deep Dive Sports. Thank you guys so much for tuning in next week we will definitely have some more interesting baseball news for you and possibly even have a new voice talking about baseball so make sure you tune in thanks as always again we are on deck presented by deep dive sports until next time baseball is america's pastime we hope that you enjoyed this episode of on deck as much as we have you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at deep.dive.sports. Or download us through Amazon, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. As always, we are on deck, presented by Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.